my spooky friends. This is John, your host for Dairyland Frights, the podcast that covers everything paranormal, creepy, spooky, and mysterious in the Midwest. And I am joined by another great guest. I, I, I don't know what it is, Jeremy. I just keep getting great guests on my show, which uh, is delightful for my audience. Is He is from Paranormal is the New Normal podcast. Is that correct? No, it's paranormal. The new normal, but paranormal. The new. You're not normal. the first person. To, you're not the first person to make that mistake. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I had someone on, and he had a. I had a title for his podcast that said, "Let's talk about." I thought it said, "Let's talk about ghosts," and he said, "No, it's we need to talk about ghosts." And I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> it's like it's a little. He goes, "It's a little bit of a joke uh, towards uh, talking about ghosts." And I said, oh, "Okay, so great." So, uh, with Jeremy, with your podcast, Paranormal, The New Normal, uh, could you tell my spooky friends, my audience, about a little bit about your podcast? Well, basically, my podcast is just another interview-based podcast about the paranormal, but the difference is between mine and every other podcast out there is mine is 100% about the guests. I, you will not hear my voice that much on my podcast unless I'm... Well, unless we're having a really good episode and it's just us going back and forth with the bowl. But I mean, yeah. you, usually I just let the guests do the talking. I'll ask questions, but they I usually let them go into the explanations and just go with it. I'm not going to interrupt them. I'm not going to try to debunk or debate everything they say. It's just, and that tends to be what people love, I guess, because from the comments I've seen about my podcast to where it is in the rankings, people tend to like that, I guess. So I just went with yeah. the flow and it worked. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I've listened to your podcast. I love the guests you have on though. It's a great podcast. I recommend highly to everyone. I always tell all my guests that I have on here is kind of like my best of the best because I listen to a lot of paranormal podcasts and I try to pick out people who kind of fit what I'm doing as well as have maybe something a little different, you know, something a little bit of a change than the same old, same old that's kind of out there. Because there's so many, and you know, you just gotta when you're gonna spend your time, you want to listen to someone like Jeremy, um, that's gonna kind of give you, uh, you know, his guests maybe a different view on things and everything. So, so yeah, I've been listening to it. It is awesome, and I highly recommend it. So let's get into that. Who has been your favorite guest so far, and why? Oh, that's always I, I this question I love and I hate because I love to brag about yeah, my right, guests right. that I've had, but yeah. I also, uh, I mean, I could pull the whole oh, uh, they're all my favorites, but uh, I yeah, mean, sure they are. In, yeah, all, in all honesty, the answer for this one is always the same answer. It is Mr. Derek Hayes of Monsters Among Us podcast. I got him in my show in the first six months of it, nice. and he was the reason I wanted to be a paranormal podcaster. So. I kind of was honored to have him on. I kind of fanboyed out in the beginning of it a little bit, but he was a he was a great guest. We had a fun conversation for an hour and a half, wherever it was. I even took off yeah. work early that day just to talk to him because he was work oh, that I knew really he would cool. be. So I mean, that's... I've I've had a lot of favorite guests, but to have the man who inspired me to be a podcaster, or at least one mm. of them, that was something. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So let me ask you this. What got you interested in the paranormal other than him? <laughs> what what interested you? Well, I mean, the paranormal and me have a long history. I got okay. into the paranormal as a as a kid in elementary school because I was always in the library and 
the later years of it. And I was, I just happened to find that one book that the only book you ever find in the library back in the nineties that had, it had yeah. Bigfoot, it had Loch Ness, and then of course it aliens. And then at the end, yeah, yeah, yeah. there was a little two page chapter about what if dinosaurs still exist. And from then on, I kind of got hooked, but I mean, I faded in and out throughout my school years. Like I, it would mm-hmm. keep my interest for a while. It got renewed by Monster Quest and Monsters and Mysteries in America and all those great mm-hmm. mid two thousands TV shows. Yeah, but right? that that kind of reinvoked re- invoked it. But then college happened, drinking girls, all that good stuff. So you kind of <laughs> fade it. out of the paranormal for a while because girls right, don't want right, to talk right. about Bigfoot. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, at least, I mean, nowadays there's more. But well, no, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm so I basically faded out and then I discovered podcasts and started listening to Monsters Among Us, um Monster Monsteropolis, the small town monsters podcast that no longer exists, and a few others, um stories with sapphire, uh scary stories. I mean, like there's a there's a lot of yeah, them out there. And I, I fell in love with a few a select few and they just made me Love it again. It made me fall in love with the paranormal again, especially Monsters Among Us, because it was just because it was people hearing people's different people's voices telling their own stories that just made me. It's not just Uh some host talking about it for an hour, which is why I would never do that in my show because I don't want to hear myself talk for an hour about Bigfoot. Why would somebody else? (laughs) Right. So uh, yeah, absolutely right. That's just how. That's just where it got me to where I am, and I started podcasting on a completely non-paranormal pop culture podcast, and. They said you need to start a podcast your own about something you love, and I was like, first thing came to mind was paranormal. Like literally, yeah. it didn't take a second for it to come in my head. Even it's just like paranormal. Yeah, that's awesome, and that's really great because again, that's where I talk to a couple of people of my guests who are the same way. They're, they're like, yeah, check out books, the web ghosts, and uh, one of my um, guests said she tried to summon a ghost. <laughs> Like she, you know, she said, I'm in eighth grade, like, give me a break, you know, I'm trying at my mom and, and a lot of too is parents, right? You grow up in yeah. an atmosphere where your parents were probably okay with it, I'm guessing. I mean, my parents never really were into the paranormal at all. My, oh, okay. we, I even coming, even being brought up, like ghosts were never a topic. We are, we, we built our house, so it was never like an old house that had any mm-hmm. chance of having anything in it so yeah. i mean yeah there's still a chance but it wasn't it didn't end up having anything in it i don't think at least mm-hmm. but i just never had i never really had any paranormal experiences until like the last five six years like that's when i started having mm-hmm. some paranormal experiences but i mean my whole childhood my parents never really talked about it i mean the only ghost i knew growing up was the holy ghost and that board yeah, sure. me, so. right right exactly <laughs> So tell me about some experiences that you had recently and, uh, you know, how they affected you. Well, well, let's see. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you my favorite experience first. Um, I was down at my, that, uh, down at a house a little bit south where I live, like an hour south, hour and a half Mm -hmm. south. And it was, it's my, it was my now wife and girlfriend's house and we were outside with the kids whatever walking into the house because it was getting dark out and sure. my my son says to me he's like why are those stars moving and i'm like what are you talking about stars don't move and like, i look up in the sky and i was like okay that's <laughs> not normal yeah I, 
You know, you can't see stars move with the naked eye normally. Yeah, yeah. And there was a cluster of eight to ten star-looking objects moving in the same direction in a formation mm. almost. Okay. So that's my favorite experience because it's, I mean, and the area, I live in Massachusetts, and in Massachusetts alone, there's a lot of UFO mm. sightings on a daily basis. Mm. So, yeah, I, I mean, every now and then you'll see something in the sky and you'll just be like, that doesn't look right, or that, that shouldn't mm-hmm. be there, I don't think. Right. Like, it's not, yeah. it doesn't look like a star. It definitely yeah. doesn't look like a plane, because yeah. I mean, you listen to Monsters Among Us enough, you know how to spot a plane versus a UFO, but yeah, right, it's right. just, I mean, it's, I don't know, there's unexplainable things, and I mean, there's rumors that they like to hang out in this area because they use something in our mountains, whether it's the radon or some kind of mineral, I've been told what it is before, but I can't remember right. at this point, but, and they use it for fuel or something, they believe. Hmm. So that's uh, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, we have that around here, but it seems to be concentrated about the the lakes. I live in Wisconsin, so oh. it, it, it's around the lakes. And there's been some crazy sightings, and most of them around the lakes. Most of them involved, obviously, in the forest and everything like that, which I find absolutely fascinating. Um, there is a story I did on one of my shows about this. There was this place called Sturgeon Bay, and there was this huge unidentified or UAP, whatever they're calling them now, uh, where it was floating over um, this town in the 1950s. And it was like something out of a movie, like this huge object was just floating. And people were just, what is that? You know, what could that be? And, you know, that's what's interesting, right? That's what makes it interesting for everybody to see exactly what could be out there and who's visiting us. Exactly. I mean, it's a, it's a highly debated topic about who it is and or what they are. I should say it's more of the terminology, but it's, I don't know. I have a lot, I have a lot of my own theories, but I also have heard a lot of theories and it's changed my theory over the years, especially doing a podcast like my my yeah. my opinions on the paranormal change on a daily basis at this point. Yeah. So with that, do you feel you're a skeptic or a believer? Kind of a combination of both. And dealing it's with global, fun- paranormal. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's kind of funny because in my one podcast, I do Global Strangeness, uh, which is a paranormal discussion podcast with co-hosts. I mean, it's I tend to fall more on the believer side and my one co-host is more of the skeptic side and then our mm-hmm. final co my final co-host is kind of like more in the middle of it all yeah. so i'm the i'm the fox molder and my co-host scott is definitely the dana scully but yeah yeah i mean i i like to say i have a healthy degree of skepticism though for i mean especially mm-hmm. when it comes to ghosts like yeah i am not gonna believe every picture i see on facebook has a ghost in it supposedly right. like I'm not, I'm not going to believe that. No, I mean, or that every picture of Bigfoot is 100% real. Do I believe most yeah. of them? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still am a firm believer that Paris and Gimlin was real, even though people mm-hmm. are trying to hate on that and say it's a costume every day now. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, and, and that's the great thing I love about all my guests. We're all like, oh, that's really interesting. But we don't go like, oh, that's real. And it's usually, you know. Two kids, you know, screwing around on YouTube with the camera. Oh, look at that. And you're like, all right. <laughs> I get it. You know, what? what's going on? And they, the, the, I don't know if you agree with me on this, Jeremy. Let me ask you this. I feel they ruin it for people like us 
who want to relate these stories to people and they're like, oh, no, you know, come on. It's all a joke. Do you agree with that? I mean, I think there's just too many negative people in the world nowadays. And if mm. and if they're not part of the community where they're going to believe in it more than anything, then yeah. they're just going to try to ruin it for people who do because they don't want to. They think it's silly. They think it's childish or they just don't have enough happiness in their life where they can look outside what they see in front of their face and think there's more. Right. Right. They're they're, they're plugged in the matrix. They're plugged in the matrix hard and they're not getting unplugged anytime soon. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think a lot of people, uh, like some of my guests have brought on too, uh, maybe your guests have said this too. It's about power, right? Like who has the power um dealing with um whether it be religion, politics, because if someone came out today and was saying you know, they could make a ghost, like they could harness the power of a ghost and use it for whatever reason. Uh, well, that person would have the power, right? It, it, that's, that's what's interesting to me, too. But can, I mean, the question then becomes, can you really harness the power of supernatural beings? I don't think right. that necessarily can happen. I mean, yeah. they can harness you. They, they can do possession, yeah. without a doubt. But we've right. seen examples of that. Right. But, I mean, I just... One of my first guests was an author. I just finished reading her second book. And mm. that actually was what the cult, the villainous cult in the book was trying to do was uh, use ghost power to summon an ancient demon. Oh, so, okay. How did that work yeah, out? She, <laughs> not well for the cult. Let's put it that way. I, her book okay. hasn't even come out yet. I read a beta, I, I read a beta copy of it because I mm. want to get her back. I'm going to get her back on my show when it's coming out again, but when the second book is releasing. But it's. <sighs> Her, her, it's her second book in her series, and her series is amazing. Um, but it's just, it's a very high, it's a very religious book too. I mean, it's very Christian based, Catholic based, but I yeah. still love it, even though it is just because the storyline's there, the storyline's there, the characters are there, and I want to read more about it. And always, I mean, I keep telling her it'll be a movie or TV show within the next decade. I guarantee it. Yeah, absolutely. Could you share the author's name with my spooky friends so they could uh, check her out? Oh. Of course. Um, the author's name is Brandy Alexander. Uh, the oh. first book is called Genesis. A, I will never know the title unless I look it up. But it's called Genesis. Her name is Brandy Alexander. You could you could find her pretty easy if you Google her. Okay. And uh, yeah, the first book is called Genesis, and the second book coming out is going to be called Invocate Invo- Invocation or mm. something like that it's a catholic okay. word <laughs> great great yeah you know i just had uh i don't know if you've had i haven't listened to obviously all your episodes yet uh but i don't know have you i've had two witches on two practicing witches on and th- one of them is a satanist and she's uh totally open about that but when she started to talk to me about it is like it's totally different from what you think. It's not you're in the basement with a pentagram and demons are coming out. She was like talking about, no, it gives me power to be myself because she's from the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And in the Netherlands, as you know, they are very superstitious as well here in the States, but very superstitious ways still, you know, that's where uh, black metal was developed. Uh, the genre of heavy metal and, you know, where they burn churches down and there was a group of people, uh, you know, Lords of Metal. There's a movie out there and it really put everything in a real, I don't know, bad light. 
and, and she's talking about, you know, yes, I sometimes do a blood sacrifice, but it isn't to get a, a demon. Is it anything to do with that? It, it's just to help me gain power to help people, to help myself, and to live with myself. And, you know, I took Jeremy, I don't know what you think, but that was interesting, right? To hear that different point of view from a guest, that you, you have one thing, and then they tell you another thing, you're like, that makes complete sense. Have you ever had something like that from a guest? Uh, well, yeah, I actually have. I mean, and what you described to me just now to see to me, that wouldn't have been that unusual because I, when I was in high school, I bought the Church of Satan Bible off of, yep. I'm pretty sure it was eBay at the time. Yeah, and I got it too, yeah. It's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing in that about trying to summon demons or like, nope. nothing I thought would be in it when I bought it because I was, you know, a teenager, right. a metal loving teenager trying to raise hell. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's more... It, it's more about just being yourself and being a good person. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've been told that's not the real satanic Bible and that it's out there somewhere, like kind of almost evil deadish with human skin wrapped around <laughs> and everything. But <laughs> until I, until I see that with my, with my own eyes, I can't really say yes yeah. or no to that. But right. yes, I, an experience like the one you just talked about, I had an astrologist on the show, a man of mm. science. Oh, and sure. He was also a UFOologist, and he has been studying UFOs for, he was an older man, so he's been studying UFOs for 40, 50 years, probably, mm -hmm. if yeah. not longer. And yeah. I expected a great conversation about aliens and UFOs and mm -hmm. just, like, what I expected. It wasn't what I expected, because he was apparently also a very religious man, and mm -hmm. in his beliefs, UFOs and aliens are demonic and mm -hmm. you get abducted by them if you do de demonic satanic things such as listening to heavy metal or <laughs> just uh -oh. basic church basic church no-nos i mean premarital sex D &D. all they like <laughs> playing D playing D, D he actually said playing D, &D. Uh and, and i mean i argued with him as nicely as i could and i wasn't sure, trying right, to, right, I, right. I wasn't yeah. trying to get him to like leave the podcast at that point but it was just like yeah yeah like I'm, I, I was just dying for that one to be over. I was like, I can't keep my face straight much yeah, longer yeah, on this. Yeah, I right. can't. <laughs> so yeah, that, that I mean, that was like kind of kind of an in, invert of an example of the one you said because it was kind of different yeah, conversations right? ruined on that one. But yeah, yeah, that that's interesting because, like I said, we've had a number of ghosts. You predominantly have. Uh, I've done some episodes by myself. Like you said, I don't like to listen to myself, but oh well. Uh, but the guests I've had have ranged, like your guests have ranged from, I've had people from the UK, witches, authors, you know, demonologists, all these people. And what always fascinates me about is one, they're normal people, like they have jobs and they, you know what I mean? And they, they're trying to make a living at this. Um, but what fascinated me most about is they all had similar experiences about the paranormal all had uh, reasons why they're in the paranormal that are very similar uh, does that always surprise you sometimes like you would think maybe they would be a little more how do you say crackpot because <laughs> they come in wow i saw this i've never had that i honestly i mean i've i've had a few guests that were a little more towards what people would call the crackpot like side of the scale but really i I've had a few. I've had a few, and I've had well, one. What did that like, involve? I'm curious. What did that involve? You know, them talking about. 
I had a guy, I can't Jay something, I think his name was. Um, and he, the only thing he really had to do with the paranormal was he once had a vision where he believed he was being talked to by the goddess Tefna of Egyptian oh, culture. Okay. Yep. And so he now makes these this jewelry that's all based around Tefnut. And mm. the rest of the conversation besides that five minutes about Tefnut was pretty much all government type stuff and whatnot. Mm. So right. it, I mean that that was one um I'm trying to think of the other one. Oh, I mean <laughs> my third guest ever. I can't remember his name for life me at this point, but I mean he wrote a book about something called Septemix. Hmm, what's that? And it's basically a way to rank human beings based on how useful they are to society. <laughs> it was it's it sounded very Nazi like in the way he described it. Oh, sure, and sure. An- another podcaster who I won't mention because I now fell out with him. I fell out with that podcaster a long time ago oh. because he's mm. an idiot. But okay. he yep. even got he even brought this guy in his show to argue with him about September. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it <laughs> it set another podcaster off for God's sake. So yeah. I mean this yeah. this guy just was so self righteous. Like I mean yeah, sure. he would yeah. And he I mean he, he seemed like he was a really intelligent, very really brilliant man, but mm-hmm. put to use besides doing something besides ranking humans. <laughs> you get a you get a five because you're I don't know. Sweeping the lawn, uh, sweeping well, the floor, or something. The skip, this, this. I mean, he, his whole system was based on like I think fourteen or fifteen or something like that scales of like different mm-hmm. aspects of humanity, mm-hmm. and intelligence was of course one of them. There was a sexual scale. There was an emotion, like an emotional scale. It was just, it was, and I mean, it just. Yeah. I was just like, okay, uh, when are you firing up the ovens, buddy, because you're sounding like someone I heard before. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Did you ever have a guest that kind of shook you a little bit? Like them saying something that, and I don't mean like, you know, how do I explain? Like they tell a story and it affected you. Like you're like, wow, you know, Uh, I mean, yeah, you don't mean in like, a, okay, I need to call the FBI type of way. But, uh, right, I mean, right, right, right. I um, mean, like, you know, you listen to it and maybe you cried. Maybe you maybe you had a good laugh. Or maybe you were like, damn, um, I'm kicking the corners of my house. There, it, <laughs> there, was a, there was a woman I just had on my podcast. I just released the episode for it maybe a month ago or so or a month and a half ago. Sure. Her her father her father and her husband are military men. So a, a lot of her paranormal knowledge came from them. Yeah. And... She got to a part where she was talking about her father, talk or, or stories her father told her of Velo- Velociraptor-looking extraterrestrials fighting in World War II, along with both sides of the conflict, <laughs> and fighting on a ship in the middle of the ocean against the Germans. And I literally, you could hear it in the recording because I did not take any of it out. I literally didn't say a word for like a minute. I just like stood there, my mouth agape, and I yeah. eventually was like, I eventually just started like being like, "Are you serious?" Like I, I, I lost it for like a good three minutes of just unbelievable awesomeness. Yeah. Like I was just like, "This is the best thing I've ever heard in my life." I, I would actually <laughs> believe this to some degree. Like, why would you say this unless it's true? <laughs> like, yeah. I, I couldn't even think of this. I couldn't even think of this. While I was trying to write a story. Oh my god, that so I mean, that is crazy. That that's I mean that's interesting he, to me. There, 
there's a lot more in that episode than just that. But that was the oh my god moment to have my mouth open and just be like, oh, oh yes, like this is the type of stuff I wanted on my podcast all along. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, groundbreaking you know the, stuff. Right, it's ground, it's groundbreaking stuff. And the other thing to do with the military is you hear a lot of that, like people who have said. Um, I had a gentleman, uh, one of my guests, tell me, he says, this isn't my story, but it was uh, from what he heard in uh, some relics of history and everything that his grandfather was, that there was, in World War One there was a battle that so far uh, is not in the history books at all. He's tried to research and, and tried to show me some evidence, but they found a letter from this one private in the British Army. And he said, you know, they were in there, you know, uh, dug in and everything like that. And uh, all of a sudden, they heard, they look over, and they see, like, this black mist enter the Germans, uh, like, tunnels, you know, and everything like that. And he's like, okay, you know. They see things because you you haven't eaten, you know, it's God knows in these terrible places yeah. that in World War One. And all of a sudden, here's gunfire coming from the German side. And they're, yeah, everybody hunkers down, thinking they're getting shot at, that there's going to be an attack soon. And all they hear is just gunshots over there. And they're like, oh, my God, you know, what's going on? It just You just hear men screaming and just gunfire and all this stuff. And then it just stops. And it's just quiet. And, of course, they sit there and they're like, uh, they don't want to go over there right now uh so they wait until morning and so they get up there and they carefully go over to the germans you know where they're dug in and they look and all the german soldiers have fired on each other or have fired in directions they don't know what they're firing at basically like i guess you could figure that out and this in this letter nobody knows what it was nobody knows how it happened and the British commanders told him, uh, do not say anything, do not put this out somewhere. Obviously, he wrote a letter. And um, this is, you know, authenticated letter from like 1917, 1918, you know, whatever with the war. It's been authenticated. It was in some British museum, which they didn't bring out for, for years. Um, and I'm like, wow, that's crazy, you know? And he said, yeah, he goes, when I'm when my grandfather was reading this and he, he's related the story to me, I just was like, "That's what do you think it was?" I said, "I don't know. I have no idea to this day what that mist could have been and and uh, why those soldiers just went crazy. You know who knows, right? And that's what's interesting in the military mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of good stories I, in there. And I then, mean, uh, yeah, go ahead." I mean, the Germans were messing with some bad stuff in World War II to begin with, so yeah, I can right. imagine what they were doing in World War One as well. They they like to they like to embrace, they like to try to approach the real version of yeah. Satanism and the occult, from what I've read, and they yeah. could have unleashed something they couldn't control. Could be right. You never know, and that happened a lot in Afghanistan uh, too, where people said they saw shadow people, they saw a jinn. And if you're not familiar to my spooky friends with a jinn is, it's basically like a demon, basically, um, that uh, in Afghanistan in the Middle East is is a very nasty uh, creature or spirit or whatever you want to say. Uh, and the other thing, too, um, I had someone relate 
that when they got back from the war and stuff, that that's all they would see. Like these gins, just shadow people, just following them everywhere. And I'm like, have you heard any stories like that? Where people have said a spirit attached themselves to them, whether it be paranormal investigating, military, whatever it is. Ah, uh, yeah. I've, I mean, I've heard some stories about that from different investigators and different psychics and memes I've talked to. But yeah. the main, the main thing I hear from psychics and memes I work I work with is they say that when they go in situations like that, if they are trained enough at the point they're at now, where if something tries to follow them they always make sure that they are checking before they leave the property and that they are always doing a cleansing before they leave the property. If they think anything is trying to attach itself because they, they said they brought things home in the past and they, it's hard to get rid of them once they're in your house. Right. So Exactly. What is your favorite story? Let's swap stories here. What's your favorite story from a paranormal investigator or a medium that you've had right now or recently? Mm. All right. Well, uh, one of my first 10 guests it had to be my, my first 10 guests. Um, he's an, he is a actor and writer and director, but he also has, because he writes a lot of paranormal stuff. He's been asked by police to investigate certain things. Oh, sure. Christopher Sa- Saucy. He had three stories from my show about meeting the devil or as he believes mm-hmm. or hearing the devil in one of them as well. Okay. And, there's a story he tells in, I believe it's, I want to say Argentina, or mm. God damn it, uh, it's in a South American country when he was in the army. Sure. He, there's a canyon down there called El Canyon de Tio. Him and mm. his troopmates were basically going through this canyon as part of their route, and as they're driving through, they asked their guides, "What's with all the graves and all the." memorials on both sides of the canyon and they're like oh those are the life's lost to Tio, to Del, Del Tio. Mm. and it, it, according to him it was a lot of graves like a lot mm. of graves yeah and they actually ha- they actually have security points and this becomes important in the story later on but there's a- they actually have security points at both sides of this canyon because they don't let people go in after night mm. but but basically they drive through the canyon and he said it was spooky the whole time and they get to the other side of the canyon, and there's this, and you can look this up on Google actually, because I did. There's a painting on the sides of this side of this canyon of the devil, or a form of the devil at least. And they call, and it's and they it's written next to it, Tio, or Uncle. Hmm. And that's what they call it down there, is Tio. And he said they got through to the other side, got past the security checkpoint, and they were just about to head out to the main road again for, to get where they need to go before it got dark, and. One of his troop mates ran screaming into the canyon, like the, they they were be- they were begging the guards not to shoot, like don't shoot, don't shoot, we'll get them, we'll get them. Mm-hmm. And they found him like a half hour, forty five minutes later in a cave in the canyon. Mm-hmm. And after they snapped him out of it, like he said, he heard like a little girl crying, a little girl screaming. Yeah. That's why he ran in. Mm-hmm. They couldn't find anybody or anything, so they sure. started heading out because it was getting dark, and they knew the guards yeah. were going to be shutting down the. Yeah. Canyon, presume, but they start walking out, and all of a sudden the guards put their guns up and they start shooting in their direction, and they don't know why. They don't know. They, they're like they're yeah. trying to wave, get attention, say like, "No, no, we're, we're we just passed you," and and finally they like the guards are like 
they finally realized the guards were like, come on, come on. And like the, the guards, they ran past the guards and the yeah. guards like closed off the canyon. And they, they're like, they asked him like, why were you shooting at us? Like we weren't shooting at you. We were shooting at that. And oh. he said it was the biggest bull he's ever seen. And that it was bright red. Every, every part of it was bright red. Oh, wow. And it seemed like the bullets just bounced off it. Like it didn't even affect the bull. Wow. So they, he believes that was Teo. Cause he said in those caves, you get like a very dark sense of dread in those caves. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he thinks he believes that what his troop mate heard was something trying to call him back into the caves to get him in there as like a sacrifice mm-hmm. or something similar. Right. And if, right. cause I mean, the, I don't know. Evil for, evil forces do like to mimic voices, we know. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's one thing too, you know, uh I always tell people if a little girl, if you're on investigation and a little girl comes up and says, Help me, uh, no, get the heck out of there, because that's probably a demon screwing with you. And that's funny because I told that to one of my I was just joking with one of my pair investigator paramount investigators uh, on the show. And they're like, "You're absolutely right, John. Absolutely right." He goes, "We were at a, we were at this church investigating, and we heard this little girl's voice." And this is another thing. I don't know if this ever, even your guests tell you this too, is so they had a new person on the investigation team. So what did the new person do? They started to uh, antagonize the little girl, like, "Oh, I know you're a demon. You're." Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you need to stop right now. You need to stop that. And this guy was like, why? You know, I'm just trying to piss it off so we can get some footage or we can get some, you know, know, evidence. And he's like, no, you do not want to do that. And as soon as they did that, and maybe you can uh, relate to the story too, uh, is immediately one of the guys in the crew started throwing up. He just started retching. And, and they were like, oh, my God, what's going on? And then another one of the guys on the crew uh, on this team just started like, like he went, like, ow, damn it. Ah, what the hell? And, he, and he's like, you know, oh, my back is burning. And they're like, okay, everybody, we got to get out of here right now. And so they got out of there. And the guy with his back burning had scratch marks. The other guy that was throwing up, he, he stopped. Uh, the other guy who antagonized, they kicked off the team, <laughs> and they told him to leave. Did you ever have a story like that? Anybody relate something like that to you? Honestly, not really, because I mean, well, that's good. <laughs> I, I, I have, I haven't had, actually, I haven't had paranormal investigators on in a long time. Like, because oh, okay. in the beginning, that's a lot of what I was getting. So, like, because yeah, I got you. I, in, in the in the beginning, it was a little hard to find guests. But then eventually it just yeah. didn't become hard at all. Now I have so many guests I could reach out to that it's just never ending. Like I always have I'm yeah. I'm booked out to February at this point. February's pretty yeah. full. So yeah. I mean um, I'm I'm gonna be booking to March pretty soon, but I I'm trying to remember even because it's been so long since I had paranormal investigators. I mean, it, it's been a lot more mediums and astrophysicists and mm. astrologists, and I mean right. it's been a lot more about that type of stuff lately then yeah. but actually well yeah oh actually okay here you go oh this isn't really 
Okay. You 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 mentioned earlier you had a guest who talked about how she got into the paranormal by playing with a Ouija board, trying to summon a demon, yeah. basically, when she was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a I had an author on my show, Damon Manx. Um, very good horror author, very good paranormal horror author. He does a lot of short stories, and he's he's written a lot. But he, when he was a kid, these twin girls that live next door to him or down the street from him wanted him to play with the Ouija board with them. Mm. So the girls started using the Ouija board and everything. And he said they were always like creepy. They like the family always was like called the Adams family in the town. Yeah. But uh-huh. I mean, when you're a teenage boy and girls yeah. all the time with you, you don't say no. So yeah, he started, he, he start, they got the Ouija board out and the girls started playing with the Ouija board and they told them you are going to die this age. Mm. And okay. lo and behold, he kind of put he, at first he was scared. He said he was scared for a little while, but yeah. eventually he right. got older and it went out of his mind. Mm-hmm. When he hit that age, he had a widowmaker massive heart attack. Wow. And it could have killed him easily, but somehow it didn't. Somehow it didn't. And yeah. he's now past the age they said he was on a diet. But he he actually ran to the Meta High School reunion or something years later and he told them about the story and they're like, Oh my god, we were just playing around. We didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like <laughs> somehow you called something forth that Affect yeah. my life so oh Absolutely. god I mean, oh my gosh that yeah that'd be like uh what am i gonna do uh so before we get to i was gonna have a little fun with my audience since this will drop around christmas time i thought i could talk a little bit about christmas and some of the other crazy uh how do i say it is it really like santa claus <laughs> in other countries uh, they're very frightening we- oh go ahead on well, I like to call it uh either creepy Christmas or Christmas cryptids. There you go. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But before we get to that, I need to ask you. I know you're not a paranormal investigator like me or anything like that, but I still have three spots in mind. I would love paranormal, you know, obviously uh, that I would love to go to, kind of on my bucket list. Do you have anything like that? Have you ever thought of? Well, I want to go here, check this out, and you know, visit it and see what it's like. Um, well, put it this way. Uh, I mean, I am a huge Bigfoot fan, so I would love to, I would love to go to where small town monsters went in the Olympic, on the Olympic project and see what I could find. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's on the bucket list for sure. Uh I, And the cave systems. I mean, I'm a big proponent of Hollow Earth, and I want to follow some of the cave journeys that Native Americans took on spiritual trips that go through states and states. Like, I would love to be able to try to do that one day. I mean, if as I get older, the less likely that ever will happen. But (laughs) because I mean, the Native Americans are the only ones that are ever recorded Mm -hmm. to actually make it from one side to the other. And right. I would like to see. I'd like. I'd like to try to figure out yeah. why that is. Even if it does yeah. take my life, I'd like to figure out figure out why that is. If I run into a dog, if I run into a dog man or Bigfoot down yeah, there, yeah. we'll find out what happens. But yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, other than that, any other place I'd really like to visit is in Europe, Ireland, yeah. anywhere, yeah. anywhere in Europe. I mean, because there's so many mm-hmm. haunted castles and haunted so everything over there. So much. Yeah. That. Uh, 
That's awesome. One of, one of the, the things, Jeremy, I have, uh, I really like, believe it or not, Bobby Mackey's. I, I want to go to that because, I mean, come on. It's got a portal to hell. It's got satanic stuff. It's got all this crazy demons and stuff that they reported. I just love to go to it. It's like a dive bar. I love dive bars. Uh, I thought that might be really fun just to check out uh, because all the craziness and all the investigation that uh, has gone there. And then mostly over uh, to Japan with the Suicide Forest, um, just yes. because that mm-hmm. is not only fascinating to me, but I, I know this sounds kind of strange, but I would love to help someone because I don't know if you know a lot about it. Are you familiar with it? I'm guessing you are. Oh, the Suicide Forest in Japan. Oh, God, yeah. I've, okay, I've, so, heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of different stories about that place. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they put strings, uh, places to find the dead bodies. Also, they people who camp there, they'll put a string so you could go talk to them and maybe talk them out of suicide. And, and that, you know, that none of your GPS or anything. I just like to go to it because they have signs out in the front that says basically in Japanese, don't kill yourself. Life is worth living, blah, 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 blah. But I'm, fascinated with why people choose that place like why you know what i mean you have a uh, you have a million other places to choose but you choose that i just why and why is that so big in japan that just fascinates me i don't know if you have anything to add on that i think the reason so many people have taken their lives in that forest is because i think that forest calls them there i think it's Right. Yeah, but why? Almost, almost like almost like if you're that if you're that depressed, that's and I think something that's something ancient in that forest can sense it right. and it calls you in. Right. But, but what? <laughs> I mean, who, who I mean, I am a big believer in ancient civilizations, gods yep. and goddesses oh they worshiped and oh mm-hmm. J- Japan has a lot of those. So A lot. I yeah. don't know their names by heart because it's been a while since I listened to my favorite, uh, mytho- one of my two favorite mythology podcasts. So, yeah. but I don't really get a chance to listen to podcasts anymore with the job I have now, unfortunately. But I, there's some, there's, a, I've heard of different evil Japanese ancient entities yeah. that easily right. could have taken that forest and made it their home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. And then my last is like yours with Europe. I've seen a number of different castles. I had a couple of my co-workers stay in some of the most uh, creepiest and haunted castles in Ireland. Um, she said, she told me, because she was going to come back with all this evidence for me. And she's going to go, hey, John, look at it. And she's like, no, sorry, John. I said, other than it was cold, uh, damp, <laughs> and really, she said, it was she said, in some places, I kind of felt a little bit of dread, but not nothing. And we went on all the tours, and I didn't get scratched, and I didn't. My husband was like, no, nothing. And they're both paranormal, uh, like uh, still paranormal. They're like, well, yeah, I was really kind of bumming out. <laughs> uh, if you if you haven't had her on yet, uh, on Global Strangers, a couple months ago, we talked to Helena B. Scott. She's an oh, author. She, she okay. lives over in Scotland. And she has investigated a lot of Scottish runes and castles and including Mm -hmm. the most haunted castle in Scotland. And she has caught some great stuff. 
So nice. yeah, that's, that's, I mean, she's, she's on all the social media, so you could always find her Helena B. Scott. She's easy to find. Nice. Great. I'll have to look her up and get her on there. Awesome. So Jeremy, we're going to do a little cryptid Christmas cryptid stuff really quickly. Uh, while we wrap up here and we're going to start with the big guy, Krampus from Germany. Uh, he is through specific, I'll read a little bit about him. Uh, so if people are like, oh, I never heard of Krampus, which is, I can see why some people might not hear Krampus. Uh, but Krampus is through specific origins of infamous, infamous feast are unknown. So they're not really sure how he started. There's basically he's the opposite of Saint Nick. He's half goat, half straight up horned demon. This this European legend loves to devour children around the holidays who have misbehaved. And in a turn of additional terror, there are notable celebrations. Yes, you can see them on YouTube, folks. Intended to honor, okay, Krampus, such as the Krampus Run, although it was Mm -hmm. canceled in COVID nineteen. Uh, who are participants dressed in elaborate, expensive costumes and descend upon the Munich Christmas market. So it's pretty funny. You can go on YouTube and see this. You see a bunch of dudes and women, whoever, kids, dressed up in this Krampus thing, and they go running. Uh, and it's pretty elaborate. Uh, Krampus, by the way, is a German a word that translates, of German origin, translates to claw. So Krampus, the big one, you've heard of it, probably anything to add oh, about Krampus. <laughs> I love the idea of Krampus. It's a great it's a great way to get your kids to listen because Santa doesn't really do it anymore. So tell no. them that there's gonna be a big a big half goat half demon coming to take them, put them in a sack and beat them with a stick. Like it's a little more it's a little more intimidating than the old oh, you're gonna get coal in your stocking. So I mean it's actually fun it's actually funny you wanted to bring this up because I this Friday night I'm actually doing the part one of the holiday horror bracket on my podcast. Nice. Uh, the, nice. the, thirty four, I think, different holiday horror movies. So nice. And there's a lot of there. It's, it, the best Krampus movies not in this part, but I mean there are a lot of Krampus movies in this part as well. Yeah. The best yeah. Krampus movies would be the first part, of course, because you know the one with Adam Scott and uh, oh the right. other uh, ball, the other bald guy I can't oh, remember the name of, but yeah, yeah right. <laughs> That's. But, um, uh, that's the best Krampus movie by far. I love that freaking movie. But, I mean, anything Krampus is always awesome. I mean, I find it hard and hard to think that people wouldn't know who Krampus is nowadays with, like, all the publicity Krampus gets every year now. Yeah, he's it's getting, a, he's it's getting more. Biggest, yeah. Yeah. It's as big as Santa Claus at this point with uh, the internet really showing how the Euro- Europeans ce- celebrate Krampus knock. <laughs> Krampus awesome. knock. <laughs> yeah. So... I I pronounce this probably bad. I'm a mushmouth, but that's okay. Agrila in Iceland. Okay, she yep. is a, a. Pardon me. How you pronounce it? I said Agrila. You got it right. All right. Another terror to youngsters. Ogre Grilla has been around since the 13th century and is said to have children. Who trolls herself? 13 children, to be exact. So she had a bunch of kids. Yep. They're trolls. They have creepy names like. I don't think this is creepy, but okay. Pot scraper. Okay. Door slammer. Um, anyway, these Yule lads, as they're called, emerge from the cavernous home to assist their mom, who also ventures out of said cave 
and rounding up naughty children to eat and, and who are annoying. Uh, they live up to their above mentioned names like Door Slammer over the two weeks leading up to Christmas because they'll slam doors and, and people will be like, oh, it's Grilla and it's, it's Door Slammer. Here's a fun fact for you. One variation of Grilla's tale mentioned she has a husband, uh, mm. Lep Lottie, who is lazy and just hangs back in the cave while she ventures out in her offspring. <laughs> so anything, <laughs> a lazy husband sitting on the lazy boy, ah, whatever. <laughs> you go torment people. Uh, anything about Grilla, anything you want to bring up? <laughs> I mean, you basically covered it perfectly. I mean, she, the Yule ads, I really like. I mean, they're freaking great, and they, the Yule ads are creepy. But I gotta say, the creepiest children in the creepy Christmas area are always gonna be the changelings. Yes, absolutely. And oh, I just watched a movie a couple weeks about a month ago, uh, a Christmas horror story. And it's literally just three. It's a Krampus story. It's yeah. a changeling story. And, uh-huh. and I think a ghost story all put in like yeah. one movie. We, all all narrated by William Shatner, which is a great thing. Oh, William Shatner. I love it. They can't go better with the Shatner. <laughs> all right. So this one is from Wales. Uh, and again, the prime mispronouncing that. Uh, but a Mary Lewid, I believe. I probably oh Mary Mary Lewid, Mary Lewid. Thank you, thank you so much. Is the textbook definition of nightmare fuel, and I'm sorry for providing that here. However, that iconic holiday tradition, which is said to be derived from some sort of religious rite, likely pagan, in the early 1900s, simply could not be left off the list. This celebration takes place around Christian. Christmas time, excuse me, and involves Welsh residents donning horse skulls. Yes, you heard me right. Or placing a horse skull on a stick and heading door to door, singing to homeowners. There's a silver lining to this terror, though. If you encounter a horse skull on your doorstep, congratulations. You are the receiver of good luck, Jeremy. So basically, put a horse skull on, they go around singing and run a uh, but it's okay if you get this on your doorstep. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> anything to add? <laughs> anything to add on that? <laughs> uh, I mean, I love that one. Actually, I <laughs> I just actually did. That's that Pacific cryptid I just did in our creepy Christmas uh, episode of Global Strangers this year a couple weeks ago. So I okay. I just was reading about that one a few weeks ago because I was like the brush up on what we were talking about, and it's creepy. It's uh, it is I very mean, creepy. Europeans, one thing I can guarantee you is Europeans have the best behaved children because they don't want to scare the living shit out of them. So you damn right. <laughs> <laughs> now this one is my favorite, and I don't know why. Hans Trap uh, or Trap of France. Uh, okay, so all the classics tale of a man selling his soul to become rich in the 15th century. So we've heard that before, right? Sell your soul become. As a legend, has its time around once greedy M. Trap did so, this Catholic 
excuse me, did so, uh, the Catholic Church got word of it. So he basically sold his soul. The Catholic Church got word of it and stripped him of his wealth <laughs> and exiled him from society. So uh, M. Trapp here, um, lonely and mad, lived out the rest of his days in a cabin high in the mountains somewhere in the Alsace-Lorraine. And then one day, a small boy came by his dwelling in a hungry, unstable, <laughs> yeah, I think he's unstable, trap, cooked him for dinner. As fate would have it, before he could dig in and eat the little boy, Trap was struck by lightning and killed. His story lives on as a form of boogeyman-like tale that sometimes he returns to civilization on Christmas, going door to door in search of another meal. Now, also with this, too, some people have said he dresses up like a scarecrow, and then little kids are walking by, hey, look at the scarecrow. And then he grabs them and eats them. Uh, kind of the same thing. So anything about <laughs> Hans Trapp or Trapp? <laughs> I've heard of, I've heard of this one, but it's not one of the ones I'm not it's not one of the ones I'm really hundred percent positive of. So I don't know what to think of it really. I really don't. It's just it's uh, <laughs> eating kids. <laughs> I mean, the the best European folklore creatures eat kids. Yeah. Come on now, show the best Japanese ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. uh, absolutely. So that's what scare you, right? You know, you can say you get cold. You're gonna get a bunch of cold in your stocking. Or hey, there's a guy gonna catch you and he's gonna eat you. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> okay, Dad. I will I'll say, take out the garbage. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. All these creatures need. All these creatures need hmm. some Bill Goldberg Santa to come kick their ass and freaking yeah. show, show them who is boss. There we go. Love it. So <laughs> the next one is Kalik Kantoris. Kantoris? He's Eastern Europe. This one I've never heard of. But Me either. <laughs> from late, yeah. From late Christmas to early January, this werewolf-like creature reportedly oh. comes out. Okay. He comes out from this underground. Uh, tonight to play and generally cause trouble. After they had their fill of mischief, they returned to their homes at the center of the earth. There comes your hollow earth. Rumor has it that leaving a calendar, a calendar on your doorstep is the best practice to ward them off. Fun fact, uh, this thing could only <laughs> count to two. And I have no idea, Jeremy, why that's a fun fact, but it only, this calic Contateras, Taros, can only count to two. I, I have no idea why that is. <laughs> it, remi it reminds me of the. Uh, it reminds me of the old thing, uh, the old legend they had for. Well, well, actually, it's for the Ruguru, and it actually might tie into this because oh, the Ruguru, true. if you if you throw, a, I believe it's rice on the ground, it'll have to stop and count it. Yes. So I mean, <laughs> all werewolf, all. All dogman legends tied together somehow, so uh -huh. that's right, why that's right. why dogman that's why dog that's why dogmen are real because there's so many legends that are all the same. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So <laughs> Iceland is back on the list again, Jeremy, with the Yule Cat. <laughs> so the Yule <laughs> Cat uh, again, Iceland has no shortage of Christmas terrors, and the Yule Cat is certainly a force on this list 
to be reckoned with. In short, the Yule Cat is a giant cat who punishes people for not working hard. <laughs> Legend has it that this palatial whiskered animal once roamed Icelandic countryside looking for those, especially children, here we go again, children, be careful, uh, around the holidays who have not received clothing or donned or done their chair chores, excuse me. For a little more context, <laughs> these kids who have worked hard throughout the year were treated with fresh garments, so fresh clothes, just before the new year. And those again who were deemed lazy, their Yule cat feeds off their laziness, literally. So <laughs> there you go for your kids. My kids are too old to believe this. But who knows? If you have younger kids, maybe you can use that. <laughs> my my one co-host actually uh, with his one with his youngest son, he does the twelve nights of gifts like the Yule lads would leave. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it's awesome for young kids. It's fun. I don't have the patience or time to do all these such traditions, but I mean, <laughs> I'm a busy man. That is but... great. Oh boy! And just to let you know, this is this is crazy to me. So in Iceland, they actually use the Yule Cat as a driving force for employers to ensure their workers meet their quotas. So really, do you really, <laughs> can you imagine that you're at work? Oh, I'm trying to get this done. Hey, John. Yeah. You don't get that done? There's a giant cat going to eat you. What? <laughs> you mean like a lion <laughs> or a tiger? You have a lion and tiger in here? Well, no. <laughs> Like, what? I just, I find that hilarious. So, the next one is actually a witch. So, we had to get witches in here, right? You can't have a Christmas without a Christmas witch. Frau Perchata. She's in Austria. Yep, thank you. Uh, Austria, (laughs) Germany. Thank you. A witch who calls the Austrian mountains home. So, she goes on a little vacation, so to speak. Every 12 days of Christmas. To murder via disembowelment those who have been bad. Alternately, if they're on the good list or good side, people living in the area where Frau is, she she scours and wakes them up (laughs) with a silver coin at some point and gives them like a little bit of silver coin, I guess. Uh, In a plot twist of sort, uh, Pachata is celebrated by fearless fairy tale fans in some village who don mask as a part of a celebration, kind of similar to the Krampus thing. And uh, they have like a really celebration about this witch and everything. And I thought that was just really interesting because disembowel? (laughs) That's a new one. Uh, yeah, what can I say? No, yeah, I mean, I love Frau Perchta, I really do. I mean, it's just, yeah, I mean, you basically covered it. It's she's right up there with Santa Claus in my mind for this time yeah. of year with the lore. I mean, she's and she actually was just was was it her or another witch I'm thinking of for Christmas, but I believe it was Frau, actually, no, it's Frau Perchta. She was. They just covered her on the Santa Claus second season. The second, second season of the Santa Claus is on Disney Plus. <laughs> I did see that one. Appar- apparently, she lives in the North Pole next to uh, next uh, Santa Claus. There you go. Then. 
makes sense, I guess. So last yeah. but not least, Norway has to get on get in on this. Um, they have the NISA or NISA, I believe it's called. Uh, and NISA, the NISA, yeah. NISA, okay, is known as, uh, I believe, Tom, Tomte, Tomte. I'm not Norwegian. Yeah, I'm right. not really sure in Sweden, <laughs> uh, which is basically what we think of as a little no. A tiny bearded man wearing a red cone shaped hat in the year 1200. A Swedish man found a six inch tall wooden statue depicting one in a fisherman's house in Norway with the word saying, so he found this little kind of gnome thing and said, Nissa, uh, I'm not even going to uh, try to read this, but anyway, had words on it and it translated to Nisa correct size. And I don't know why that means, but they like to stay around farms and help with chores. So that's great. In return, they request a bowl of porridge with butter on top. And if they don't get it that way, we'll wreak havoc. So when they get no butter on their Christmas porridge, there's a tale about a girl putting butter on the bottom of the porridge instead of the top. And when this uh, Nissa first saw this porridge, he got upset and killed the farm's best cow. Then came back to eat the porridge. So, buddy, you know, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. Upon discovering again uh, that the, they gave him some porridge again, and this time again, they put it on the bottom. Like, figure it out, people. Um, he then stole the neighbor's best cow. <laughs> but here's a, here's a nice thing. So he ate the cow, then he stole a cow. But then... He felt really bad because he got the porridge and this time everything was right and they put it on top of the butter on top. So then he like stole another cow and gave it to the neighbors, the cow he killed and stole or something to that effect. (laughs) It's not really scary. It's more like cow stealing. I don't know. So I don't know what you think about that. Norway is kind of different. Oh, Norway has a lot of great cryptos. They really do. It does, Uh right? Their, their folklore is amazing as well, but I mean, this just to me, the Nisas always sound to me like a, just a short person with some anger issues because they're short. Right. Yeah. Short, short man uh, syndrome. I mean, my dad had it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really all of the ones I just did some basic ones. Anything you want to add off of that? You, you said you, you know, have spoken to people and done anything else scary other countries that they do maybe have a different or whatever. Uh, I mean, you got most of the ones I could think of off the top of my head. It's okay. yeah. been a little while since I did this, but I mean, the changelings are definitely the creepiest, I think. Cause I yeah, mean, the fact that yeah. they, especially on Christmas, like to yeah. take the place of your children and then they will, if you yeah. try to stop them from doing what they want to do, they will kill you in the process. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. That really sucks. Oh, by the way, um, where do you stand on black-eyed children? Where do you stand on that? Or dark-eyed children, I should say. Well, you, I it, mean, bla- there are black-eyed children, and then there are white-eyed children, as has been coming out in recent years. Yeah. Encounters with those have started to come out. It's believed the white ones control the black-eyed ones, somehow. Um, hmm. it's, very, it's all very children of the cornish, but yet the stories of them go back hmm. longer than children of the corn was a thing. So, yeah. I... I feel like they have to exist. I've heard enough stories about them from people from the, like the source's mouth, and it's just like 
Uh, I don't know what to tell you, but it sounds creepy as shit, and I don't ever want to run into one. And I never let one in my house. <laughs> yeah, that's the key. Don't ever let them in your house, your car, wherever you are. Just they're like, va- they're, like, like they're, they're like vampires. Don't let them in your house. Do not give yep. them permission to enter. Absolutely. See, that's some great stuff for the holiday season because you never know who's going to show up, right? You have a Christmas party and like, who's that guy? <laughs> or wait a minute. I didn't think there's supposed to be kids at this party. Oh, man. Now you did it. <laughs> awesome. So, Jeremy, why don't you tell my spooky friends, my audience, what you got coming up? What, uh, what are you excited about here for the new year and uh, the rest of the year? Well, um, like I said, this Friday, the 22nd, we'll be doing our first part of our holiday horror movie bracket. And nice. I'm strongly looking forward to that because I've been watching a lot of holiday horror movies that are some mm. good, some horrible. But <laughs> I've been watching them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still got a few, a good 10 to go, but I'm not going to get through them all by Friday. I already know that. But I'll get through the ones I feel like I should watch. And yeah. then coming up in guessing either the end of January or the beginning of February, we're going to be doing the next bracket that got picked by the random wheel uh, picked by my participants is the eighties alien movies bracket. Ooh, good one. 44, 44 different alien movies from the eighties. So it's going to be an interesting bracket and we'll have another one coming up after that, but that won't be decided till this Friday. So I can't even say, Oh man, that sounds I, I just, awesome. I just, I just make all these different categories into brackets and I let my participants yeah. choose what they want to put in the wheel to get, at the end of the episode to get love picked. So love you got that. no months in advance. You got go, yeah. you got no months in advance cuz there's so many yeah. movies to watch, but Yeah. Love it. That sounds awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy. I could talk to you for hours. We seem to have a nice little spooky friendship here. We both like to have our guest on and have tell some great stories as well as see some good Christmas horror movies and some great alien movies. So um, anytime you want to be back on great. Uh, I'd love to have you back on. If you ever need me to be on your show, I can tell you a story about Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer. They're not my personal stories, but they are good friends of mine who have dealt with two of the worst serial killers on, well, in the world, basically, or pretty damn we- we will make that happen. I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, we will make yeah. that happen. Please. So, you know, after first year, send me something. I, I would tell these stories. You'll love them. They're, they're just in. They're just crazy. Like you'd be like, you can't believe them. And then you're like, nope, here's my people. I can bring on to tell you uh, that they're all true. So awesome. So to wrap up the show, we always say two things. One, say hi to your ghost. Hello, ghost. Because you never know, right? You might have a ghost in there. And then stay spooky. So thanks, Jeremy. My pleasure. All right. Have a good one. You too. Hello, friends. This is John, your host from Dairyland Frights and Packers Blitz. And I want to tell you, I've been using OllieTube for my podcasting for over a year now, and I love it. And if you're looking for an easy and convenient solution for creating podcasts, OllieTube is definitely worth checking out. It's a great tool for podcasting beginners and professionals alike who want to make their creation process easier and faster so they can focus on other areas of their show. And I use it for editing and I love it. I can edit something really quickly 
and get my show out there and get it to my audience. So please try Ollie too. You can try it a week for free. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you really have nothing to lose. And like I said, I love Ollie too. Check it out, and uh, you'll love it.